Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast, a part of the Agora Podcast Network. I am your host, Heather Tesco. I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe it's a pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and being more deeply in touch with our own humanity. Today, we are talking about Frances Burke. She was the daughter of Frances Walsingham. She is spelled F-R-A-N-C-E-S versus Frances Walsingham was I-S-C-I-S. So their name was the same, but it was spelled differently. And she is a fascinating woman. So let's get right into it. The Elizabethan period is renowned for its dramatic political intrigues and cultural flourishes. And Frances Burke, Countess of Clanricard, emerges as a figure of significant historical intrigue. Born Frances Walsingham, her life was a vivid intersection of personal tragedies and pivotal historical events, making her story not just a tale of an individual, but a window into the complexities of Elizabethan society. Frances was born into a world where familial connections were not just personal bonds, but also political alliances. She married some fascinating men that we have talked about with their own episodes, but we never talked about the wife that they shared. Not at the same time, of course, that would be weird. But she was married first to Philip Sidney and then to the Earl of Essex. Finally, to Richard Burke, the Earl of Clanricard. And these were more than mere social contracts. They were strategic moves that placed her at the heart of the political and cultural revolutions of her time. Each of her marriages brought her closer to the epicenter of power and influence weaving her story indelibly into the fabric of English society. Her life was marked by personal losses and public triumphs, reflecting the turbulent and often merciless nature of Elizabethan politics. From the court of Elizabeth I to the rugged landscapes of Ireland, her journey was as captivating as it was complex. In this exploration, we will delve into the life of Frances Burke, unearthing the layers of her story to understand not just the woman that she was, but also the era that she helped shape. Frances's life began in 1567. She was the daughter, like I said, of Frances Walsingham and Ursula St. Barb. Her father, of course, was a pivotal figure in Elizabethan England. We've done multiple episodes on Frances Walsingham. He served as Secretary of State to Elizabeth I. He was also known as her chief spymaster, and he was deeply involved in the political and religious intricacies of the time. 
a defining moment of her very early life and possibly her first encounter with Philip Sidney happened during the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in 1572. She would have just been four and a half, five years old. Sidney was a future poet and soldier, and he took refuge in the Walsingham home following the violent religious conflict in Paris. If you don't know what the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre was, I talked about it at length in the episode I did on her father because it had a profound influence on not just him, but also the Protestants in England and their fear of Catholics. The St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre was a was just that. It was a, a massive massacre of uh, Protestants in Paris and France by Catholics. And as the Huguenots went to England and told the stories that they saw, it was just a horrible, horrible experience. Uh, and it had a profound impact on Francis Walsingham's life and was part of the reason why he became Elizabeth's spymaster and had such a fear of Catholics. So um, his daughter, Frances, was with him during that time in Paris and met Philip Sidney. She was just a little girl, of course, but she met her future husband when he also took refuge at their home. Many people took refuge in, Walsing in Walsingham's home uh, because he was in Paris on state business and presumably had a bit of a safer place to hide uh, than other homes in the area. So that was her experience with that. Um, the event, like I said, had a significant impact on the political climate of Europe and undoubtedly influenced her upbringing, exposing her to the realities of religious strife and political turmoil from a very young age. Growing up in such an environment, Frances would have been acutely aware of the political and religious tensions of the time. Her father's role as a spymaster would have brought a unique dynamic to her family life, blending domestic affairs with matters of national security and international diplomacy. This early exposure to high-stakes politics and the importance of strategic alliances likely shaped her understanding of her role and responsibilities as a member of a prominent political family. Frances's formative years were thus marked by a blend of personal connections and the broader religious and political currents of Elizabethan England. Her early experiences, including the potential meeting with Sydney during a time of crisis, set the stage for her future marriages and her own role in the political landscape of her time period. So a decade later, Frances Burke would marry Philip Sidney, and this was, of course, a significant chapter in her life. The union was orchestrated by her father. Despite initial resistance from Queen Elizabeth I, the Queen's reluctance possibly stemmed from concerns about the consolidation of power. Sidney was a nephew of Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester, and a close advisor to the Queen, and she may have been concerned about too much power being in the hands of just one or two families. As a young bride and mother, Frances experienced the complexities of Elizabethan marital alliances. Her marriage to Sydney was not only a romantic union, but also a strategic alliance, reflective of the era's political dynamics. The couple's life together was brief, yet impactful. Frances gave birth to a daughter, Elizabeth, named in honor of the queen, who eventually came to accept and support their union. Tragedy struck with Sir Philip Sidney's untimely death in 1586 due to injuries sustained at the Battle of Zutphen. That was where he was wounded, and there's the saying, the apocryphal saying, that uh, 
he apparently gave his water, his last water to another injured man and said that his need, the other man's need, was greater than his own. And he's remembered for, you know, this act of self-sacrifice. His passing left Francis a widow at a young age, grappling with the loss of her husband and the political ramifications of his death. Sidney was celebrated as a hero and a prominent literary figure and left a lasting legacy that deeply affected Francis. Her life as a widow was marked by a transition from the roles of wife and mother to that of a figure navigating the intricacies of Elizabethan society on her own. The impact of Sidney's death on Francis was profound. It was not just the loss of a husband, but also the end of the partnership that had significant political and social implications. Her mourning was not only personal, but also public, as she dealt with the aftermath of losing a husband who was a key figure in the Elizabethan court. This period of her life was a testament to her resilience and the ability to adapt to changing circumstances, laying the groundwork for her subsequent marriages and her evolving role in Elizabethan England. Her experience as a young bride, mother, and widow in her first marriage offers a poignant glimpse into the personal and political landscapes of the Elizabethan era, revealing the multifaceted challenges and opportunities faced by women of her standing. In 1590, Frances Walsingham, Frances's father, died, left her with an annuity of 300 pounds. And she married again, this time to Robert Devereux, who we've also done an episode on, the second Earl of Essex, to whom her previous husband had left his best sword. So Sir Philip Sidney and Robert Devereux were friends and... Sidney had left Devereux his best sword in his will, which is kind of a fun little piece of trivia. Essex was a prominent figure in the Elizabethan court known for his ambitious nature and his close relationship with Elizabeth I. Many people say he was flirtatious with Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was flirtatious with him, but by this point, Elizabeth was really getting up there in years. Um, I'm not sure what romantic situation might have happened between the two of them, but he definitely was one of Elizabeth's favorites, and his downfall was one of the kind of final heartbreaks that she had in her life, that Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, had in her life. The marriage was possibly arranged by Francis Walsingham, Francis's father, before his death, and again did not initially receive the Queen's approval. Essex was her favorite. She was not thrilled with this. But the union did link Francis directly to the very heart of English political power and courtly drama, and the marriage brought her into a tumultuous period marked by Essex's increasing tension with the Queen, his eventual participation in the Essex Rebellion of 1601, and this uprising against Elizabeth was bold and an untimely, disastrous move leading to Essex's execution for treason. Now, how much Francis would have been involved in this is really up for debate. She probably wouldn't have been involved in it very much at all. But the execution of her husband, Essex, had profound consequences for Frances. Not only did she lose her husband in a highly public and scandalous manner, she also had to navigate the aftermath of his downfall. He would have lost all of his money. His lands would have been taken because he was killed for treason. He was executed for treason. So she needed to have a lot of resilience during this period. Uh, she had to ensure the well-being and future of her children amidst a backdrop of political disgrace and personal loss. The execution of Essex left Francis a widow once again, this time under vastly different and more challenging circumstances. Her first husband died fighting for Elizabeth, you know, was a celebrated poet, everything like that. Now her second husband dies 
being executed for treason in rebellion against Elizabeth. So she had to adapt to these circumstances and protect her family's interests. And her ability to do that speaks to her strength and acumen in a period of intense personal and political turmoil. Her third marriage was to Richard Burke, Earl of Clanricard, and was a significant shift in her life, intertwining her story with the political and social landscape of Ireland. So she married him in 1603, and he was deeply involved in the turbulent Irish politics of the time, notably pressing his claims during the Irish rebellions and the period of English colonization. This context provided a backdrop to their life together. Her marriage to Richard can be seen as a continuation of her involvement in Irish affairs, considering her second husband, Robert Devereux, had also been in, deeply involved in the wars in Ireland and had fought there unsuccessfully. Her transition to life in Ireland, they, they went to Ireland, was not just a geographical move, but also a dive into a highly charged political environment. The Burks' efforts in establishing their presence in Ireland were marked by the construction of grand estates, like the Portumna Castle in County Galway, which served as symbols of their status and influence. Living in Ireland during a time of intense colonial expansion and rebellion, Francis would have had to navigate a complex array of local and colonial interests. Her experience in Ireland, contrasting starkly with her life earlier in England, highlight her adaptability and resilience. Her life with Richard Burke was not just about adapting to a new home, but also engaging with the broader political and cultural challenges of Ireland during this pivotal period in its history. And I did a full episode on the English in Ireland during this period several years ago. I will link to that in the show notes too to give you more details on what was happening there. Frances Burke, daughter of Frances Walsingham, Countess of Clanricard, one-time Countess of Essex, left a significant legacy in Elizabethan politics through her strategic marriages and the roles that her children played. Her unions with influential figures like Philip Sidney, Robert Devereux, and Richard Burke positioned her at the epicenter of political power, allowing her to navigate subtly the influence and complex dynamics of the Elizabethan court. She spent her time between England and Ireland. In 1609, they built a mansion in Kent. And in 1618, they constructed the castle in Galway. Um, so, you know, it was back and forth living in Ireland and England during this time of colonial expansion. She died in early 1633 at Summerhill and was buried at St. Peter and St. Paul, Tunbridge, where she and her husband both have effigies. He died in 1635. So they had a peaceful well, 20 years together, which was more than she had with either of her other husbands. Her children continued her legacy, cementing the family's influence across generations. Her daughter by Sydney, Elizabeth, maintained social prominence through her marriage. Francis's children with Devereux, especially Robert, who became the third Earl of Essex, continued to play significant roles in English politics. And her children with Richard Burke, notably Ulick, later the Marquess of Clanricard, became prominent figures in Ireland. Her life reflects the roles and power of women in the Elizabethan era, showcasing how they could maneuver within and influence the socio-political landscape despite the limitations of their gender in that period. Frances Burke's story is a testament to the resilience and strategic acumen of women in this period, often operating within the constraints of their societal roles. So I think it's really interesting that I have done episodes through the years on Philip Sidney, on Frances Walsingham, on Robert Devereux, 
on the English in Ireland, but I never did something on Francis Burke. So I am trying to do more on these women and giving their stories more attention, sharing what they would have been up to because they also had pivotal roles. It's harder because there's not as many records. So you have to have more conjecture and stuff like that because they they just weren't in the history books. Uh, people were talking about their husbands, not about them. But their roles deserve to have episodes done about them as well. And so as we move forward into 2024 and beyond, I will be doing more on some of these women whose husbands I did episodes on, but not them. And they deserve their own episode too. Gosh darn it. So thank you so much for listening. That is it for me this week. I hope you are having a wonderful holiday season and I will be back with you again very soon. Again, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Blow, northern wind, ascend, who may be sweating. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. Ich hote burd in Borobrik, sat solis emlis on Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.